In sports, they say numbers never lie, but odds are they do. Sam Steinmeier, Brady Archer, and host Andrew Botwinick are about to go against the grain this week as we make our day-to-day picks. All views and opinions expressed in today's show do not reflect KZLX, KNWT, or Northwest Missouri State University. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Day-to-Day Picks. Andrew Botwinick alongside me is Austin McNorton. For what it seems like every other week, it seems like you're on the show more than my usual co-host. I mean, I'd be talking about sports in my apartment by myself anyway, so I might as well be talking to you on the radio for thousands of other people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so before we before we jump into the NFL, I forgot to mention our records from last week. Uh, I am five and five overall. Went two and three the week prior because we didn't have the show last week. Uh, five and five overall, leading tied with Sam. Also five and five. Brady just a game back at four and six. So college football not necessarily our bread and butter. We'll switch switch now to the NFL, where it's a little bit better. Last week I went eight and seven, sitting at forty two and twenty one overall. Brady went, I believe, forty forty and twenty two. I think is what he has here. Forty and twenty two. He went nine and six last week, and then Sam at seven and eight. Sam a little bit rougher week than the rest of us. Thirty nine and twenty four. So I have a two game lead over Brady, and then Sam a couple games back behind both of us. We'll start now with tonight's kickoff game: the Rams and the Seahawks tonight. The Rams are a two and a half point favorite after losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. An interesting game that was. Just made no sense. I mean, I think everyone in any type of sports media at all didn't pick that game right. (laughs) Jameis Winston was an absolute monster. I mean, the Rams gave up 385 yards through the air to Jameis Winston. What? That shouldn't happen. Um but, you know, offensively, this team is still pretty solid. I know there were some missed throws and some errors made by Jared Goff, but Cooper Cup still leads the NFC in yards receiving with 388. Um, and I think the biggest question mark, obviously, for the Rams um, is the running back. What? Where's where's Todd? Is, is he hurt? Like, is he ever going to be? A, here's, an, here's an interesting question for you. Is Todd Gurley ever going to be 100% again? Will he ever get back to that MVP-type caliber player that we saw last season? Long story, long story short, no. Um, five carries in the last game against Tampa Bay. In a close and game. And he seemed frustrated. high-scoring game. He scores twice on those touches. Granted, they were only 16 yards on five carries. He needs more touches. You're paying that man, the, I think, the second-highest overall running back now after Le'Veon Bell signs his deal. Yeah. He is now the second-highest-paid running back. You're paying him a lot of money to sit, to watch, to to have an injury possibly that that no one knows about. He has the I believe arthritis in his knee. It's not something you you want to mess around with, but at the same time, you're Todd Gurley, you go in there, you What's need the to worry? play. What's the worry with like giving him the ball? I don't is it offensive line play? What is it? And, and the Rams did this last year. I'm sure Todd Mc or, um, Todd Todd McVay. Sean McVay uh, <laughs> has has a lot of different ways to maneuver in running backs they had uh cj anderson last year they had malcolm brown this year malcolm brown also didn't get a lot of touches five touches for malcolm brown cooper cup had a had a rush for negative two yards and jared goff jared had... goff throws 68 passes yeah. 68 passes yeah I... you can't rely on a guy none there should never be a time in nfl history that a quarterback should throw for 68 the... passes Passes. Tied for the NFL record in completions and 500. I, 
So what are they just saying, oh, well, we're just going to throw the ball now more than anyone. And they don't even have the best quarterback in the league. Their running backs are, I could say their running back is significantly better than their quarterback. And part of it too is... Patrick Mahomes isn't throwing it that much, and he's the best quarterback we've ever seen. And and part of it too is probably McVay saw something in the defense in the corners that maybe we can try and exploit this here. We might be able to to get something here, a nice little quick pass, turn into something better that, that was different. I don't know. It didn't look like Todd Gurley looked... He still had seven catches... 54 yards, but he needs to be able to get the ball more on the ground, get a nice dual threat going because Todd Gurley, being Todd Gurley, needs to be able to run the ball like Todd Gurley. Exactly, and if you're playing a team against Seattle and you and you don't use your best player and Jared Goff throws, comes out there, throws a couple of interceptions where he's thrown six and four games already, Seattle's really good at capitalizing off of turnovers and making you pay, especially at home. You can't give them any extra type of crowd enthusiasm, anything, because that's what they do. They they force turnovers, they get their crowd involved, and then Russell Wilson will go out and make an incredible play and throw a touchdown. And we'll we'll talk now on the flip side. The Seahawks won their last week 27-10 against the Cardinals. Not impressive. Russell Wilson kind of looked impressive, 22-28, 240 yards, a touchdown. Chris Carson got over the century mark, 22 carries, 4 in a, 4.7 a rush. Will Disley, I believe, has a touchdown now in every single game this year, so he is definitely a factor down towards the red zone. The Seahawks look like a pretty good team, aside from their really? 33-27 loss to Teddy Bridgewater. Did we both pick the Rams to miss the playoffs? Yes, sir. We both had Seattle winning this division. Yes, sir. I'm feeling pretty good so yeah. far, um, because Russell Wilson is off to one of the best starts of his career. I mean, he's what? He leads the NFC in uh, passer rating, and he's second in the league in passer rating. And he has not. He's one of three quarterbacks to throw in it, to not throw an interception. Yeah, yeah. playing really well. Yeah, I, I, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to rattle this Seahawks team, uh, especially. I don't. It doesn't matter if they're on the road at home. They are at home though this week. See, the Seattle Seahawks will show up. I, it surprises me that LA is a and two and a half point Clowney's lead. He's been playing really well as well for Seattle. Um, so. And, and where has Aaron Donald been this season? I mean, he's been, I mean, probably double team. Double team, triple team. Yeah. It's, it's the same situation as the Chiefs have with Frank, with Frank Clark. Clark. Yeah, because that's what I, I was, uh, some talk yesterday about. Where's Frank Clark? And someone brought up, well, Aaron Donald has only one sack on the season, too. It's because those Beast guys like that who just have wreaked havoc in the league up the middle are finally getting double teamed, as they deserve. Um I think, and you want us? Do you want to pick now? I'm gonna go with Seattle. I at home. I just think I've been high on this team since the start of the season, and they've looked really good to start. I don't know if this is potential. I could see this potentially being a Rams bounce back game. Saying what just happened, we need to erase that loss of Tampa Bay and completely show everyone that was a fluke. Um, I could see that potentially happening, but not in Seattle. I, I like the Seahawks. I agree. Picking the Seahawks at home. Sam agrees. Seahawks at home. Brady is the outlier. He's going to pick the Rams here on this one. We'll flip now to Sunday at noon. The Jets at Eagles kicking off. It opened as a Philadelphia six and a half point spread. Um, I'm sure it's probably just a bit more skewed than that. I'm trying to look it up right now. 13 and a half is what I just now looked at. 13 and a half, yes. So yeah, 13 and a half for Philly. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on that one. Philly at home is a much better team than the Jets without their second first string 
down to their third string, probably Le'Veon Bell by the end of this game at quarterback. <laughs> and Philly started out incredibly slow, but then they go out and beat the Packers in Green Bay. So, they, I mean, that's got to create some kind of momentum. So, regretfully, I'll pick the Eagles. <laughs> and I'll try and look here what Sam and Brady have. Still trying to find it. So, we'll go ahead and talk now into Jaguars and Panthers. Opened up as Carolina three-point favor. Trying to look now to see what they have it at. Uh, it is a three and a half. So, so not much change there. Wow. That's going to be an interesting game, in my opinion. I think I would agree. That one, Gardner Minshew versus Kyle Allen, the battle of the backups to truly decide who is going to. I think these two guys, we'll talk more about the backups later. These are the two best backups in the league. Yeah. yeah outside of Teddy Bridgewater. And it's so funny because I feel like they're both so drastically different in like personalities and maybe even play style as well. Um, I just. Jacksonville, they they should have lost to Denver somehow. Denver, my goodness, you want to talk about a team that's just they should probably be two and two, maybe even three and one, but they're zero and four. Um, just brutal stuff there. And then you look at Carolina; they're kind of hard to judge because saying, "Oh well, without Cam Newton, okay, yeah, they go out and beat Arizona, right?" I expected. But then they go out and went on the road in Houston and defensively won that game. Forced Deshaun Watson to a, a lot of issues, only giving up 10 points. So I think this is a case where does Jacksonville get Leonard Fournette going and help Gardner Minshew? Um, or does Luke Keekley, who's still absolutely beasting and feasting out there defensively for Carolina, come out and dominate in the way that they did against Deshaun Watson? It becomes really close for me, um, but I am. I actually think I'm going to go with Jacksonville. I, I like Gardner Minshew right now. The, I'm on it. The, I'm on the mustache. I'm on it. The question with the Jaguars is Jalen Ramsey. He's had the back injury. He's had the, his wife giving birth. He has a child now. He had a back injury today. He's not at practice again today. The question, it, it may be not be is, is he hurt or, or does he want to get traded? Is he still trying to sit True. out to get traded? I don't think it matters, though. I like Minshew. I like the ability that they have at, at quarterback, the, the tenacity that they have on offense. I'm picking the Jaguars. Brady and Sam both picked the Eagles in the last pick. I'm looking now to see what they picked in this one. Brady picks the Panthers over the Jaguars, and then Sam picks... Sam also picks the Jaguars over the Panthers with us. Vikings at Giants. This one, before we before I send it to you and jump into yeah. this one... So a there's, lot of extra story. There, there's there. been a lot with Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs calls out Kirk Cousins. Adam Thielen also calls out Kirk Cousins, the two best receivers on the team, complaining they're not getting enough touches, enough targets, rightfully so, because Austin and I have been joking the past week or so that Kirk Cousins, all he does is, is hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook, take a few steps back, and, and, and applaud his effort that he did on offense. Um, Adam Thielen has criticized Kirk Cousins all week. Stephon Diggs has did not practice yesterday for a, quote, non-football injury. Today he is at practice. The only thing he said to the media is that every rumor is true. There have been some, some scuffles between, not necessarily scuffles like fights, but verbal scuffles between uh, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. You're paying these guys this much money, especially those three, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins. Those are 
probably some of the highest paid players in their positions, regardless of AFC, NFC. You need to be able to have your playmakers make the plays that you're paying them to make. 100%. It's just, these may be one of the best like wide receiver duos in the league. Get them the ball. I mean, Case Keenum did and got him into the NFC Championship. I mean... These guys are just so impossible guys, playmakers, to stop when they get the football. And Dalvin Cook is having a great season, absolutely. But Chicago figured it out and absolutely held you to six points. Other teams are going to start to do the same. Everyone saw that Green Bay game and was like, okay, stop Dalvin Cook, and that should, that should pretty much do it. And that's, that's kind of been the case. Oakland just wasn't able to do it. Um, but good defenses, um, as you move on to the season, Detroit, you're going to have to face them again. Um, you're going to have to face Chicago again. You're going to have to face, face Green Bay again. And, and the list goes on and on. I think they play Dallas. Um, you're going to have to play Philadelphia. All of these teams, it, it's not going to get easy. You have to get your playmakers the ball. So I 100%, I, you agree with Adam Thielen and stuff on Diggs, oh, correct? Oh, 100%. I, I, these guys have to get never the been, ball. And I've never been high on Kirk Cousins, really, to begin with. So I'm all, I'm all in agreement. You're right. You have to get him the ball. And I was talking to a friend who his cousin is a Vikings fan, trying to get his input on just from a Vikings fan standpoint. He, he said that it, it might be time for them to try and look at getting another quarterback, drafting wow. a quarterback, because Kirk Cousins has this year and I believe next year on his contract as well. And then he's a free agent. I have a very strong feeling they're not going to try and re-up his contract. Zimmer is is a great coach, more of a defensive-minded coach. Maybe offensive play calling is a little bit too much for him. Yeah, I, and the question is: Do you want to pick? Do you want to pick a lot of controversy, or do you want to pick Daniel Jones? See, <laughs> see, the thing for me is you flip it and look at the flip side. You do look at the Giants. Giants with Daniel Jones, one against the Buccaneers, one against the Redskins. Granted, they're, they're bottom-barrel teams. They're not competing teams. Apparently, now the Buccaneers, though, they might be on the rise because of after their, their win against L.A. They play a Bills team who, at the time, was not good. Now, that loss looks a little bit better. They play the Cowboys week one, lost that one 35-17. Still the Cowboys. The Cowboys are still a competing team who and a lot of people of those have, were with Eli. And a lot of people have pegged those teams, uh, the Cowboys, to be in the Super Bowl representing the NFC. The, yeah. the Bills representing a, a potential wild card team. Mm-hmm. Those are playoff teams you're playing with Eli Manning. Now you have Daniel Jones, 2-0 and as a starter. I'm not picking the controversy. I'm picking Daniel Dow Jones Industrial Average. Wow, well done. I'm glad you brought back. I'm glad you brought back the uh, the nickname there because that's just phenomenal stuff. So where are you going with this one, Austin? <sighs> you know what's also an incredible story with the Giants is apparently Saquon Barkley is a freak of nature and is about to come back like in a couple of weeks already. When it was expected to be like nine weeks, he's already about to come back. Well, they he's running full practice drills and everything. It's like. What? I was just about to say he's running full. He's he's not fully Ow. padded, but he's able to do stuff on that that high ankle sprain that they have him diagnosed yeah. at. And and the funny thing is I saw a release a from freak. I believe it was Saquon and he said that those doctors may have pegged it this amount of time, the 8 to 8 to 9 weeks. My doctors haven't. And so yeah. him kind of saying that like I know what I can push myself to do. These doctors need to need to look at me as a different person than just the average Joe. Which is unbelievable. Like it's, um, I'm gonna go against you. I'm gonna pick the Vikings. Um, regretfully, um, but I think defensively, you hinted on it with Mike Zimmer. Um, 
they're this could be a tough one for Daniel Jones compared to Washington for sure. So. I think so too. I think it'll it'll definitely be a test for him to kind of come out here as a rookie. I'm the only one picking the Giants though. Sam and Brady both picking the Vikings in this. Bucks at Saints. This one opened up as a six and a half point favorite. I think it's now at a three point favorite. I want to say. Let me see here. Um, I think this spread could be pretty. It is a three? It's three. Yeah. It is a three point spread. Probably because the Buccaneers put it yeah. on the, the the Rams. I have always been saying this, and I saw it this weekend. Playing in playing in the Superdome is always just the worst. Um, especially you know when the Saints' defense has been playing as well as they have. Um, what they showed against a respected offense in this league. Say what you want. Um, about the Dallas Cowboys, but they were coming in pretty hot, and everyone was so high on Kellen Moore. Um, but they fooled him. They fooled Dak. They fooled Kellen Moore. They fooled Jason Garrett. Um, and I think they could do that to Tampa Bay. However, this is a team in Tampa Bay who's like, damn, we just we just put up 50 points on, on the Rams. I mean, surely we can put up more than, you know, 20 against the Saints, right? Um I'm going to pick the Saints, though. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is also starting to become a little more confident. Um, and Michael Thomas is – and it's this this offense is so interesting without Drew Brees because the deep ball is gone. I mean, it's gone. But they can still get a lot of passes coming across the middle where Michael Thomas is still really effective. Um, so I like the Saints in this one over the Bucks. I think so, too. You kind of hit on it with – Teddy Bridgewater not being able to have a consistent deep ball. He still has Alvin Kamara. He still has Michael Thomas. He still has Latavius Murray as that second running back. Still a great guy. Not Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, but still Latavius Murray put up some numbers when he was in Oakland, when he was in Minnesota. He's a consistent back, a nice number two guy to have. That's going to help this team out a lot. Plus, the defense looked phenomenal against Dallas last week. Marshawn Lattimore was able to shut down any receiver that he needs to. And that's going to be huge coming into this because you have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Those two guys are going to be guys that that Jameis Winston is going to look at. Jameis Winston had 12 passes uh, completed last week to Chris Godwin. We're going to try and pull up his numbers. I think it was over 170 reception. Yeah, 12, 12 receptions, 172 yards, two touchdowns for Chris Godwin. Mike Evans right behind him, four catches, 89 yards. You have your next highest guy with four catches. Chris Godwin has 12 against the Rams' <laughs> defense. Yeah, put Marshawn Lattimore on him, guard him the whole game. That's your key to success. I think the Saints win this one probably more than a three-point spread. I know it's a divisional game, but and usually those are played a lot closer than, than just random I would teams lean, playing. I would lean towards more than three points as well. It looks like Sam is agreeing with us with the Saints, and Brady, I would, I, for, I would imagine, is also picking the Saints this one. Yeah, so all Saints cross the board. Well, flipping out of one that Austin has a little bit of some insight with probably more than I do. <laughs> Packers at Cowboys. Dallas opened up a three-point favorite. They are now a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I hate this game so much. I hate, hate when Aaron Rodgers comes to freaking Dallas, man. This guy is a monster in this stadium. He literally quotes every year about how confident he is playing in this stadium because of the past success that he's had. Obviously winning the Super Bowl in AT&T, and then two ridiculous comeback wins in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion um, in the playoffs in 2016. And the Cowboys were the number one seed in the NFC and lost after a 13-3 and season. 
And then last year in the right or not, uh, I don't know if it was last year, uh, a couple years ago, um, on a comeback win, throwing it to um, Randall Cobb in the end zone for, for the win. It's just so frustrating playing against this dude in Dallas. I would almost honestly might rather be in Lambeau because of how ridiculous this guy plays in this stadium. Um, it's a three and a half point favor in favor of Dallas. I'm going to go with Green Bay. I, I'm going to pick against my own team. Um, I think it could be a Green Bay's defense has been playing really well this season. Cowboys defense has been playing really well this season. Both offenses have been playing great. These are the two best teams in the NFC right now, in my opinion. Um, and so now we're going to see. I'm going to pick Green Bay. I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers and AT&T because he kind of owns this stadium of of his, in history. So I'm going to pick against my own team, regretfully, because I hate playing Green Bay in Dallas. It's so every year, every year. You look at both these teams, the Packers and, and the Cowboys, they are both one game or one play, rather, away from, from being undefeated. The Eagles had that last second touchdown, rather, um, or against the Packers. Actually, yep. it was an interception. Aaron yep. Rodgers was able to come down the field, on the, on the almost had it, line. yeah, the two-yard yeah. line, almost had the touchdown, picked out a, a rookie practice squad corner, and, and it was just deflected. There's some controversy about a, a pass interference call. Regardless, Packers 3-1. and one. Dallas Cowboys come into this 3-1. and one. They play last week against the Saints in a 12-10 game. I know, Austin, you and I were talking about this one. Teddy Bridgewater did enough. He, he didn't really look incredible. Really, no one in this game looked incredible. There's really not a whole lot of that's people. That's how that game always goes. I was going to say, there's, Cowboys really, the Saints. there's really not one. That's, that's how it went last year when it was the Cowboys versus the Saints, and the Cowboys won 13-10. to 10. It's just every... Like the scheme of Sean Payton and Scott Linehan always just cancel each other out. Neither team plays well against the other. So it's going to be this game right here is going to be wild. And we'll kind of get into more of this question in a little bit, but we're good on time here. So I'm going to ask it ahead earlier and see what you kind of pick your brain for a second here. I've seen a lot of people discredit and blame the loss on Dak, Kellen Moore. Is that where you kind of go to this to this twelve ten loss against the Saints? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I, I would put the blame on because defensively they didn't give up a touchdown, so I think that goes to the offense's fault, and I think they would admit that um, when Ezekiel Elliott only has what? How many yards did he even get over fifty? Thirty five and a touchdown. That's that's not that's not okay. Um, and the Saints came up with a great defensive scheme in stopping that. So if that's the case, someone else has got to make a play. Wide receivers couldn't get open. Dak couldn't hit when they were open. Um, and Kellen Moore got out coached by Sean Payton, a Hall of Famer. So that's you know that's or soon to be probably going to be a Hall of Famer, Sean Payton. So that's that's understandable. But um, yeah, I would put that loss on Dak and Dak and. Um, the offensive creator, coordinator Kellen Moore. And I actually have a question for you because I people say I'm biased or whatever. What does this do to Dak Prescott in terms of getting a contract? And and see, I'll answer my own question here. I was trying okay, to yeah, I was trying okay. to see what I was trying to see what you were thinking, and this will probably answer your question as well. Okay. Um the question isn't whether Dak Prescott played 
played poor. He really didn't play poor. 22 of 33, 223 yards and a pick. The pick, yeah, probably not great on, on, a, on a stat sheet and the box score. But you look at Kellen Moore, you can't really blame Kellen Moore. First year, he's going up against Sean right. Payton. You said it yourself, In the Hall Superdome. of Fame guy. You you look at kind of the rest of the league. You have the the Andy Reeds who are who has been an offensive guru. He he can play call. He can outplay call anybody in the league. Right. Bill Belichick, great all around coach, a great guy offensively, defensively. You look at the Saints. We already talked about it. You've got Sean Payton. Sean Payton, great offensive minded coach. You look towards Minnesota. We talked about it earlier. Zimmer. Pretty decent defensive guy. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that, that he's very strong one way or the other. You look at Jason Garrett for the Dallas Cowboys. What is his shining moment? What what has what has Jason Garrett been able to do in his tenure here in Dallas that has put him on the map as being one of the elite talent coaches? I mean, you're 100% right. I think if the Cowboys don't do anything in the playoffs this season with this team, there might be a change. And and I think there would need to be. This is a coach who goes with ultimate consistency of around eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, ten and six, always. Except for crazy years where they go twelve and four with Romo, thirteen and three with Dak and Zeke. You know, and but then when they get in those situations, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> beats both of those teams. Gosh, like he always does. Um, but. It's something would have to change this year, in my opinion, because this is a team on paper, and if you call me biased, fine, but on paper, this team should make a Super Bowl. There's I, no reason they shouldn't. I, I completely agree. Offensively, they're sound. Zeke, Dak, you've got Amari Cooper now. A healthy fully. offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in football, a now comfortable quarterback, a comfortable running back, an elite wide receiver, one of the top 15 to probably 10 defenses in the league on paper they should make the super bowl and you mentioned offensive line travis frederick probably the front runner for comeback player of the year even as an offensive lineman right you've got the defense you already mentioned leighton vanderesh sean lee they finally have four linebackers that they can trust <laughs> sean lee has been out for for forever Ever. every single season he's out they, now with Leighton Vander Esch, they have we're Vander not Esch. solely relying on Sean Lee. I mean, there's been a lot of situations where Sean Lee has been on the sideline in certain situations because, like, you know what, Leighton would be Leighton and Jalen out there on their own will be fine in this certain situation where they don't, and that's remarkable because for you know six years of my life, it's like is Sean Lee playing? Is he playing today? Because we need him to even have a chance. Exactly, <laughs> and so so that is definitely a, a Super Bowl roster on paper. We'll see if they play out the same way. I don't think you credit that loss to Dak or Kellen Moore. Really? I think if anything... It, You're putting it on Jason Garrett. I would say it's partial Jason Garrett. Partial. I wouldn't put it on Zeke, but I would say looking at his stat line alone... He has to be able to do more if you're paying him that amount of money. You right. have to. He, he had six catches, thirty yards, thirty-five yards rushing on eighteen carries, uh, just under two yards a carry, one point nine. That's not. Yeah. You need to get those. You need to boost those numbers up. Those are those are little numbers. You need to have big numbers if you want to play here. I understand New Orleans has a great defense, and every single year, whenever these two teams play, they always play <laughs> defensively sound football. And then you look at the flip side. The Packers scored 27, 27, 21, 
10 against the Bears, but the Bears have a top 10, top 5, top 3 defense in the league. They're a great defense. That was week one. That was when Aaron Rodgers was still trying to learn Matt LaFleur's offense. He's still looking. Since the first week, he's had a wristband on with all the plays. Exactly. And since he's had the wristband on, they've scored consistently 21, 27, 27 against pretty decent teams, the Vikings, the Broncos, who were still defensively sound at this point. They had Bradley Chubb. They had Vaughn Miller. They don't have Bradley Chubb anymore. They had Chris Harris. That's still a good defensive Broncos team. And you play the Eagles, you put 27 on the Eagles, almost 34 in the last couple of seconds there. That's a good offensive game. Packers look tough. Cowboys look tough. I'm picking the Packers solely because of what you said. Aaron Rodgers seems to play better on the road against – Dallas than then he does at home against Dallas. So we're both picking the Packers. <laughs> Brady and Sam are both picking the Cowboys. Sam, no surprise there with picking the Cowboys, kind of a Cowboys residential fan. Brady, a little bit interesting. I would like to hear some reasoning behind that one. I'll flip down to one that Austin has a little bit of some insight with, probably more than <laughs> I do. Packers at Cowboys. Dallas opened up a three-point favorite. They are now a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I hate this game so much. I hate, hate when Aaron Rodgers comes to freaking Dallas, man, this guy is a monster in this stadium. He literally quotes every year about how confident he is playing in this stadium because of the past success that he's had. Obviously winning the Super Bowl in AT&T, and then two ridiculous comeback wins in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion um, in the playoffs in 2016. And the Cowboys were the number one seed in the NFC and lost after a 13-3 and season. And then last year in the right or not, uh, I don't know if it was last year, uh, a couple years ago, um, on a comeback win, throwing it to um, Randall Cobb in the end zone for, for the win. It's just so frustrating playing against this dude in Dallas. I would almost honestly might rather be in Lambeau because of how ridiculous this guy plays in this stadium. Um, it's a three and a half point favor in favor of Dallas, I'm going to go with Green Bay. I, I'm going to pick against my own team. Um, I think it could be a Green Bay's defense has been playing really well this season. Cowboys' defense has been playing really well this season. Both offenses have been playing great. These are the two best teams in the NFC right now, in my opinion. Um, and so now we're going to see. I'm going to pick Green Bay. I'm going to pick Aaron Rodgers and AT&T because he kind of owns this stadium of – of his in history, so I'm going to pick against my own team, regretfully, because I hate playing Green Bay and Dallas. It's so every year, every year. You look at both these teams, the Packers and the Cowboys. They are both one game or one play rather away from from being undefeated. The Eagles had that last second touchdown, rather, um, or against the Packers. Actually, yep. it was an interception. Aaron yep. Rodgers was able to come down the field, on the, on the almost had it. Line. Yeah, the two yard yeah. line. Almost had the touchdown, picked out a rookie practice squad corner, and, and it was just deflected. There's some controversy about a, a pass interference call. Regardless, Packers 3-1. and one. Dallas Cowboys come into this 3-1. and one. They play last week against the Saints, a 12-10 game. I know, Austin, you and I were talking about this one. Teddy Bridgewater did enough. He, he didn't really look incredible. Really, no one in this game looked incredible. There's really not a whole lot of that's people. That's how that game always goes. I was going to say there's, the Cowboys really, and the Saints. there's really not one. That's, that's how it went last year when it was the Cowboys versus the Saints, and the Cowboys won 13-10. to 10. It's just every, like, the scheme of Sean Payton and Scott Linehan always just 
cancel each other out. Neither team plays well against the other. So it's going to be this game right here is going to be wild. And we'll kind of get into more of this question in a little bit, but we're good on time here. So I'm going to ask it ahead earlier and see what you kind of pick your brain for a second here. I've seen a lot of people discredit and blame the loss on Dak, Kellen Moore. Is that where you kind of go to this, to this 12-10 loss against the Saints? Yeah, I, I would. Um, I would put the blame on, because defensively, they didn't give up a touchdown. So I think that goes to the offense's fault, and I think they would admit that. Um when Ezekiel Elliott only has what, how many yards did he even get over fifty? Thirty-five and a touchdown. That's that's not that's not okay. Um, and the Saints came up with a great defensive scheme in stopping that. So if that's the case, someone else has got to make a play. Wide receivers couldn't get open. Dak couldn't hit when they were open. Um, and Kellen Moore got out coached by Sean Payton, a Hall of Famer. So that's, you know, that's or soon to be probably going to be a Hall of Famer, Sean Payton. So that's that's understandable. But um yeah, I would put that loss on Dak and Dak and um the offensive creator, coordinator Kellen Moore. And I actually have a question for you because I people say I'm biased or whatever. What does this do to Dak Prescott in terms of getting a contract? And, and see, I'll answer my own question here. I was trying okay, to, yeah, I was trying okay. to see what I was trying to see what you were thinking. And this will probably answer your question as well. Okay. Um, the question isn't whether Dak Prescott played played poor. He really didn't play poor. Twenty two of thirty three, two hundred twenty three yards and a pick. The pick, yeah, probably not great on on a, on a stat sheet and the box score. But you look at Kellen Moore. You can't really blame Kellen Moore. First year, he's going up against Sean right. Payton. You said it yourself in the Super Hall of Fame guy. You. You look at kind of the rest of the league. You have the the Andy Reeds who are who has been an offensive guru. He he can play call. He can outplay call anybody in the league. Right. Bill Belichick, great all around coach, a great guy offensively, defensively. You look at the Saints. We already talked about it. You've got Sean Payton. Sean Payton, great offensive minded coach. You look towards Minnesota. We talked about it earlier. Zimmer. Pretty decent defensive guy. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that, that he's very strong one way or the other. You look at Jason Garrett for the Dallas Cowboys. What is his shining moment? What what has what has Jason Garrett been able to do in his tenure here in Dallas that has put him on the map as being one of the elite talent coaches? I think you're 100% right. I think if the Cowboys don't do anything in the playoffs this season with this team, there might be a change. And and I think there would need to be. This is a coach who goes with ultimate consistency of around eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, ten and six, always. Except for crazy years where they go twelve and four with Romo, thirteen and three with Dak and Zeke. You know, and but then when they get in those situations, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> beats both of those teams. Gosh, like he always does. Um, but. It's something would have to change this year, in my opinion, because this is a team on paper, and if you call me biased, fine, but on paper, this team should make a Super Bowl. There's no reason they shouldn't. I I completely agree. Offensively, they're sound. Zeke, Dak, you've got Amari Cooper now. Healthy offensive line, one of the best offensive lines of football, a now comfortable quarterback, a comfortable running back, an elite wide receiver, one of the top 15 to probably 10 defenses in the league 
on paper, they should make the Super Bowl. And you mentioned offensive line. Travis Frederick, probably the front runner for comeback player of the year, even as an offensive lineman. Right. You've got the defense. You already mentioned Leighton Van Der Esch. Sean Lee, they finally have four linebackers that they can trust. <laughs> Sean Lee has been out for, for forever. Ever. Every single season he's out. They, but now with Leighton Van Der Esch, they have we're Vander not Esch. solely relying on Sean Lee. I mean, there's been a lot of situations where Sean Lee has been on the sideline in certain situations because, like, you know what? Leighton would be – Leighton and Jalen out there on their own will be fine in this certain situation where they don't – and that's remarkable because for, you know, six years of my life, it's like, is Sean Lee playing? Is he playing today? Because we need him to even have a chance. Exactly. And <laughs> so, so that is definitely a, a Super Bowl roster on paper. We'll see if they play out the same way. I don't think you credit that loss to Dak or Kellen Moore. Really? I think if anything... It, You're putting it on Jason Garrett. I would say it's partial Jason Garrett. Partial. I wouldn't put it on Zeke, but I would say looking at his stat line alone... He has to be able to do more if you're paying him that amount of money. You right. have to. He, he had six catches, 30 yards, 35 yards rushing on 18 carries, uh, just under two yards a carry, 1.9. That's not. Yeah. You need to get those. You need to boost those numbers up. Those are those are little numbers. You need to have big numbers if you want to play here. I understand New Orleans has a great defense, and every single year, whenever these two teams play, they always play yeah. defensively sound football. And then you look at the flip side. The Packers scored 27, 27, 21. 10 against the Bears, but the Bears have a top 10, top 5, top 3 defense in the league. They're a great defense. That was week 1. That was when Aaron Rodgers was still trying to learn Matt LaFleur's offense. He's still looking and since the first week, he's had a wristband on with all the plays. Exactly. And since he's had the wristband on, they've scored consistently 21, 27, 27 against pretty decent teams. The Vikings, the Broncos, who were still defensively sound at this point. They had Bradley Chubb. They had Vaughn Miller. They don't have Bradley Chubb anymore. They had Chris Harris. That's still a good defensive Broncos team. And you play the Eagles, you put 27 on the Eagles, almost 34 in the last couple of seconds there. That's a good offensive game. Packers look tough. Cowboys look tough. I'm picking the Packers solely because of what you said. Aaron Rodgers seems to play better on the road against... Dallas than then he does at home against Dallas. So we're both picking the Packers. <laughs> Brady and Sam are both picking the Cowboys. Sam, no surprise there with picking the Cowboys, kind of a Cowboys residential fan. Brady, a little bit interesting. I would like to hear some reasoning behind that one. Um, we'll flip now to the other half of the Sunday afternoons, going now into Sunday night and Monday night. Colts at Chiefs. We talked about it earlier. There's a lot of stuff that Jacoby Brissett has available to him. He's able to make a couple of different calls. There's only one right answer, in my opinion, as to who he should call. But if you're Jacoby Brissett, put yourself into Jacoby Brissett's feet or shoes for a minute. Who do you call the week before? If you can't call anybody in the, in the immediate Colts organization, okay. who are you calling? To what? What's like calling for what? Like to to whatever you do to neutralize to to score more. <laughs> whatever the reasoning is behind who you call. Why? Why were you? Why are you calling them? There's only one right answer. Bill Belichick. Like I don't know. Like to, he's the last guy to like actually control and beat this Chiefs team. I, I don't know. That's that's interesting. Because you've got you've got Andrew Luck who did beat the Chiefs in a, in, a, in a playoff right. game several years ago. You're not calling Andrew Luck. No. You have Matt Patricia who just played the Chiefs, you could potentially call him and say, hey, what what did you see? What do I need to look out for? They still scored 34 on Matt Patricia's defense. You're not calling Matt Patricia. 
which leaves Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is, in my <laughs> opinion, the right answer. Yeah. The only guy that's been able to beat him, you have a guy in Bill Belichick who you've already played for. <laughs> Jacoby um, Brissett's played for both of these guys. He's played for Matt Patricia when he was in New England. He obviously played for Bill Belichick when he was in New England because Bill Belichick has been in New England for as long as I can remember. And you've got Andrew Luck that you're available to call as well. You still call Bill Belichick, kind of pick his brain a little bit, see what he's doing. Chiefs open up as an eight and a half point favor. Um, I believe it's opened up now more. An eleven point favor for Kansas City is what I see here. I think that's going to be an interesting one. I don't think it's going to be eleven points, but I think it's going to be a lot closer towards the end of the game. Uh, Kansas City will probably jump out to a first half lead and then kind of coast to the finish line like we've seen them do. How much do you think Morris Claiborne will help defensively for the Chiefs? Exponentially, really exponentially. You look at the numbers, and and I was He's talking. Not that great though. But. I was talking to a friend um, earlier this week. Him and I were, we always discuss Chiefs back and forth because him and I, he's he's trying to learn more of the Chiefs insider kind right, of stuff, right. just trying to pick and choose different lineups and stuff. And him and I go back and forth over who the Chiefs should get, who the Chiefs might mm-hmm. need to mm-hmm. get. Um, Kendall Fuller looks pretty good on the outside. In the slot, no. Not at all. He is he is statistically one of the worst slot corners in the league. He has not been able to play consistent in the slot. Outside, he looks good. He hasn't been targeted much. He hasn't had many people throw to him. Traverius Ward can get the job done. He hasn't been able to show very much, but he's still young. He's still right. got that potential. And then you have Bashad Breland. Bashad Breland, aside from that touchdown that was a fluke play last week in Detroit, he hasn't really done much either but he's been consistent. He hasn't been burnt. Kendall Fuller in the slot is someone who has. What they're probably going to do is what I would imagine in this, because they did just reactivate uh, Mo Claiborne. They they released Jeff Fisher, or Jeff Allen, not Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Allen. Fisher. They don't release Jeff Fisher. <laughs> they, they released Jeff Allen uh, just about an hour or so ago. That's going to be an interesting one. I, I imagine they'll probably put Claiborne in the slot, Fuller outside, as well as Traverius Ward outside, and that's probably going to be their best way for success. T.Y. Hilton, I think, is still listed as questionable for this week. Yeah, that could be pretty hurtful. How do you think? How much of an impact do you think Justin Houston makes for the Colts playing back in Arrowhead? <laughs> that's a big. That's a good question. I, if any. <laughs> At this point, he's kind of past his prime. He's not going to get a right. whole lot of pressure towards Patrick. Plus, your offensive line knows how to block against him because they did it every day in practice. That is true, and Fisher <laughs> and Fisher is not playing in this game, so it would not surprise no. me if he doesn't get into the backfield. There you go. At all, <laughs> that could hurt. I mean, that's kind of an impact actually losing. I mean, losing uh, Fisher. It really is. And the Colts, T.Y. Hilton is back. Darius okay. Leonard is there back is. practicing. They're both practicing today. I would imagine they'll both play as well. So that definitely adds a little bit more threat for the, the Colts in this one. I think their safeties were also on injury report last week. Um, I imagine they'll probably both still play this week. Colts at Chiefs, it's a little bit of an interesting one. This was uh, supposed to be a potential like AFC championship. Before, yeah, before Luck retired, this was supposed to be one of the best games Probably on the first half of the season. I think the only other one for the Chiefs schedule, at least, was the Packers game. That was going to be a good one. The Chargers kind of fell off. The Chiefs are up two games in the conf- in their division already. And the, the AFC West looks a little bit lackadaisical from what it was last year. Yeah, I would agree. But I think in this one, the Chiefs look to be the better team. Um, would not surprise me if they roll. 
but at the same time, the way that we've seen the Chiefs play, I watched them play last week in Detroit. How was interesting that, by game. The way? Tell the it fans. was it was a it was a very interesting game. Um, to my surprise, Detroit fans were actually very nice. They had nothing negative to say about Patrick Mahomes. Personally, I mean, they, how can you? They, they, they said some choice words to, to fans, of course, because that's what a lot of people do at away games whenever people are coming into your stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you have to talk your, you talk your trash, and then you get walking. Um, at the goal line, though, when they did have the fumble, when uh, on Johnson did fumble at the one, there was a lot of silence. And then all of a sudden, Bashad Breeland, Bashad Breeland came out with it out of the pocket, kind of rolled it out a little bit, walked it out, and then took off going. And everybody was waiting for the whistle to be dead, including myself. I thought they, I thought the play was just dead, and I was like, "Well, so crazy!" Like, blow the whistle. Why is Bashad Breeland still running? At that point, he goes down, scores. Everybody's kind of like, "Well, what, what's going on here?" Then they finally signal for touchdown. Everybody kind of just got quiet, and because the Chiefs took the lead back, it was like everybody was like, "Whoa, what, what just happened?" (laughs) And, And another one of those incredible. Patrick Mahomes plays that we saw was he it was a I believe it was a third and 15 third and 10 a very crucial play not necessarily late in the game but he rolls out to his right he's he's seeing looking up field seeing receivers there's no one really in front of him in terms of defenders or off offensive players he looks back before he takes off looks at the ref to make sure that they yeah, did not throw a flag that was crazy looked at the ref to make sure he didn't throw a flag turned back around didn't see a flag kept running picked up the first down i would imagine he looked around to make sure he wasn't going to waste his energy before he took off that running was a crazy they showed that so many times on the replay how and he they just, like, stared down at, the ref at the game too they they showed it on the jumbotron that they have in detroit it didn't look like it didn't look like much but i turned to the guy next to me who's also a chiefs fan i said do you think he was looking at the ref or do you think he was looking to make sure there was no defenders behind him and him and i kind of went back and forth like oh yeah, it could have yeah. been this could have been that and then i saw it on twitter at halftime they were like the patrick mahomes stared down the ref to make sure there was no penalty <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh i guess that answers that question so odd but colts chiefs it's going to be an interesting one in arrowhead jacoby Brissett's still a, a younger quarterback new to new to starting in games it's going to be tough for him in that environment Chiefs rolling this one. I'm picking the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Chiefs as well. Um, if Andrew Luck was there, I would be, I think, a lot more interesting of a game. Um, but this will be a tough one for Jacoby Brissett, and they didn't look very good against Oakland. Um, and Kansas City looked really good against Oakland. So if you want to talk about common opponents, there's one. Austin and I are both picking the Chiefs. Brady and Sam are also picking the Chiefs, so another nice even panel on this one. <laughs> 